welcome back to my channel. Happy to have you here for another video. And for today's case, we are doing another family collaboration, except for normally I have family involved in actual video. Normally they film clips and we add it in, but this time it'll be a little different. I worked with the family to get information because there is little to no coverage on this case actually. The family member that I worked with to help me kind of fill in some of the blanks is actually Fawn, the victim's cousin. And she was not really involved in her life at this time and she didn't know she was missing for a few years after she went missing. I know that sounds crazy, I'll explain everything in a bit, but she didn't feel like it would be super beneficial for her to be in the video, but she has been Fawn's advocate. She has been reaching out to a lot of content creators to cover this case because they need awareness. My friend, Danielle Hallen, which I'm sure a lot of you guys know her. She's an awesome true crime YouTuber. If you don't know who she is, you're missing out. I will link her channel below. She's such a great victim's advocate. And she asked me to cover this case. And when I looked into it, I was blown away at how this was handled. I mean, what a mess. And this is one of those videos where you can be an active true crime viewer. There's gonna be several things that you can do in order to help move this case along because it's sadly really gone nowhere over the years. So I like to start all of these family involved videos, even though there's not gonna be family included in the actual video in this one, they will be looking at the comments um, and this goes for all my videos, of course, but I like to really make a point of this on videos where I know the family is excited about this going up, they're looking for support, and they're gonna be reading that comment section. So just a quick reminder that not everything that you think needs to come out of your mouth or typed into the YouTube comments. It's really not helpful. There's always people with opinions on the victim, on their family members, what should have been done differently, judgment, speculation, and it's just really disrespectful and hurtful to the families. I've had several people who have come on my channel who have been hurt by this comment section, and every time it happens, it really breaks my heart because in a way I feel responsible. You know, I'm bringing them onto my channel. I want this to be a safe place. And you know, 95% of you, I'd say more like 98, are wonderful and are supportive and take the time to go follow these families on social media and send them well wishes and sign their petitions or fundraise or whatever it is. And I'm really grateful for my audience. I mean, you guys blew me away with the last family involved video. We did a ton of fundraising. I'll talk more about that later in this video, but I am, really, really proud of the majority of you. I just want to remind those of you who have not been so kind to family members to just keep your mouth shut. I mean, I'm just gonna say it. It's just not worth it to write something mean to someone who's already been through trauma, okay? Can we just all agree to do that? Write whatever you want about anyone else, but the family of the victim and the victim themselves off limits. So let's get into the case. Today we're talking about Fawn Mountain, which I think is such a beautiful name, Fawn Mountain. It's just like, oh, music to my ears. Fawn's full name was Fawn Marie Mountain and she was born on March 2nd, 1987. And she was raised with her brother, Alan, in the small town of Altoona, Pennsylvania by her mother, Dorothy, and her stepfather. As a child, she was known to be very outgoing, adventurous, fun, sweet, caring, really good kid. Fawn was an outgoing girl. She would do anything for anybody. She was very close growing up with her cousin, Bridget. They would do, you know, holidays together, spend a lot of time together. 
and they kind of, you know, got estranged over the years. I'll explain that a bit more. But as kids, Bridget said that they were very close and she loved Fawn. Fawn was also described as someone who was always willing to go above and beyond for someone, always had anyone's back, was willing to give them a favor, help them out in a pinch, you know, she was just always there for people. She got along with basically everyone. But unfortunately, Fawn did face a lot of challenges and trauma in her early life. Her home was very dysfunctional, very chaotic, sometimes could be very loud and scary. And not only that, Fawn also faced a lot of abuse, sexual abuse from people in her own family and family friends as well. So she developed a lot of trust issues and it caused a lot of problems for her later in her life. But despite the dysfunction, for the most part, Fawn seemed to be a happy, person. Her friends in school never really knew how bad things were for her growing up because she just was such a fun and happy-go-lucky person. She was involved in her school. She loved art and she loved pizza. She also played basketball and kickball and she enjoyed swimming, riding her bike, and shopping at the mall as well. Fawn also gave out a very warm vibe. People felt comfortable with her. They felt like they could open up to her. She had gorgeous auburn curls, thick hair, blue eyes, and she was a very loyal person to her friends and family. And if someone ever hurt one of her friends and family, she would go crazy on them. She definitely had that side to her where she could be a spitfire. So like I said, Bridget and her were close growing up. And Bridget said that they were honestly more like sisters than cousins, even though Bridget was a little older than Fawn. Bridget ended up having a baby at 16 years old and she was pretty scared, but Fawn was there for her through the whole process. Fawn and I were already close to begin with, but we got uh, even more close because she was just, she just grow, grew so attached to my daughter. When Bridget had her daughter, Fawn loved her. She loved kind of being an aunt to her and it brought Bridget and Fawn closer together as well. Fawn also ended up getting pregnant at a young age a little bit after and this happened with an abusive partner and she actually had two babies with this person. And this guy really brought her down to a very low level. I mean, destroyed her self-esteem, was horrible to her. He made her life miserable. So she ended up struggling so much through the abuse that she wasn't able to really get a solid job and really fend for herself and take care of her children. So eventually she lost custody of both kids. Fawn was devastated and she unfortunately, like many children of abuse, coped with all of the trauma that she had been through in her life and the pain from now losing her kids on top of it by turning to alcohol and drugs. And this led to a series of abusive relationships. Fawn seemed to always end up with someone who would mistreat her or take advantage of her in some way. Eventually Fawn got pregnant again with another abusive partner. This time it was a baby girl. And unfortunately she was stillborn. Her name was Kaden and she was absolutely crushed by the loss of her daughter. Vaughn ended up having Caden cremated and her ashes became one of the most important possessions that she had. She also got a tattoo on her back to represent her daughter that said R.A.P. Caden with angel wings. So later on in 2009, Fawn ended up meeting this woman named Heather Dibert 
at a local spot in Altoona called The Island. And she really liked Heather, and this would end up being her first relationship with a woman, so she was really excited to experience something new. They had a very strong connection, and their relationship moved really fast. So fast that Fawn very quickly ended up moving in with Heather. Her mom, Dorothy, was pretty worried about her moving in with Heather. You know, she's an adult. She can do whatever she wants. But she did say that there was something that was making her feel uneasy, that she just felt like Fawn seemed different. Fawn said something really strange when she told her mom she was gonna move away. She said that she was never gonna come back to Altoona for some reason, which is strange because the cities are only 20 miles away. She said to me, Mom, she said, can we go for a walk? And I was like, okay, we'll go for a walk. So we went for a walk and she said, Mom, I said, what? She said, Heather wants me to move to Claysburg with her. I'm afraid if I go with Heather to Claysburg to live, she said, I'm never coming back to Altoona which she was right, she never came back. So the two of them ended up living in several apartments together before they decided to settle in a trailer park in Claysburg, which is about 25 minutes from Altoona. So they moved into this trailer and Heather's brother, Mike, also lived in the trailer next door with his girlfriend, Stephanie. And then Heather's parents also lived nearby in an area called East Freedom. And their names are Mike Sr. and Lois. And they owned a butcher shop that was attached to their house and Heather and Mike would sometimes work at the butcher shop. So Mike's girlfriend, Stephanie, had a lot of feelings about his sister, Heather, for a while. She felt a little uneasy about her, and when she met Fawn, she instantly became concerned because she could tell that Fawn was such a nice person, that she was very down to earth and genuine, and she didn't want her to get hurt by Heather. From Stephanie's point of view, Heather was a difficult person. She had a hard time keeping a job. She had seen her have a lot of outbursts. She knew that she could be quick tempered and she worried about fun. And get this, four other partners of Heather's from the past have filed either protection from abuse orders or restraining orders against her over the years. And I've gotten a restraining order against someone and it's hard to do. Like it's not just something you can walk in and get done. There has to be proof in most situations. Most judges are like kind of strict about doling those out. So if four people were able to get restraining orders or protection from abuse orders, you know that a lot of shit has gone down with Heather and her past relationships, right? And as soon as Fawn moved in with Heather, she became totally possessive and controlling of her every move. She literally would never let her out of her sight. She would bring her to work with her sometimes and leave her in the car, locked. And she would make it so that the alarm would go off if she tried to get out of the car and she would know. So Fawn would just have to sit in the car and wait while Heather was at work because Heather didn't trust her at all. This also prevented Fawn from trying to get a job. She was stuck in another abusive relationship. And I know there are so many people out there who don't understand abusive relationships and think, why didn't she just leave? Why does she keep getting into these situations? Is it her fault that she ends up with these types of people? And you just can't understand unless you have been around someone who has been through an abusive relationship or you have been through one yourself, how hard it can be to break free from that and 
just what it does to you mentally after being beaten down by abusive words and violence and sexual harassment from her childhood for years, you know? That really starts to affect your self-esteem. And the rare times that she would let Fawn actually stay home alone, she would padlock the doors so she couldn't leave. And she didn't even trust Fawn to answer the phone. She would have all the incoming phone calls to the house forwarded to her cell phone. And Fawn herself wasn't even allowed to have a cell phone. Heather wouldn't let her have one. She spent most of her time in the trailer or in Heather's car, locked in there alone. And she was really losing contact with the outside world and becoming depressed. She became isolated from most people, you know, really pulled back and was completely under Heather's control. And it's one of those relationships where Heather was the one who she depended on. She didn't have anywhere else to go. She didn't have any money. So she had to rely on Heather. So it was a very unfair dynamic. But since Fawn had been through so many abusive relationships, this was kind of what she was used to. And in a lot of ways, she thought that Heather cared about her. And that's why she was so on her case. She was protective of her because she didn't want anything to happen to her. Many people who have been in abusive relationships are susceptible to falling under the control of another abusive relationship. She didn't see it as controlling. She saw it as she cares about me. She wants to protect me. And at first it was just the control and some verbal abuse, but eventually things turned physical. One day Fawn was visiting with her mother, Dorothy, and she was wearing a sweatshirt and was using the hood clearly to try to hide something around her neck and asked her to take it off. And when she did, there were marks and Vaughn admitted that Heather had choked her. She came down with this long hoodie on and the hood was up over her head. And I'm like, can you please take that hood off? So she winds up and she takes her hood down real slow. And then she went like this. And I said, what the? And she said, Heather choked me out. I was like, what do you mean Heather choked you out? She said, Heather come home from the bar one night was drunker than a skunk. She said, she wound up, covered my hands, covered my feet, turned around, sat on me and took a rope to my neck. She had rope marks coming clear around her neck. And this actually wasn't the first time that Heather had hurt Fawn. There had been a few times that she had to go to the hospital and this wouldn't be the last time either. She did it many times. Fawn made several trips to the emergency room while she was with Heather, but she was stuck. She couldn't leave. She had no way to take care of herself. I mean, she didn't even have a phone. Heather had her so locked down from a social life, anything that just makes someone's life normal. She was taking all of that away from her, stripping who she was. And after so many times of Fawn going into the emergency room with these clear abuse injuries, they started asking her if she was safe at home and if there was any abuse going on in her household. And Heather did not like that. So she started taking her to a different hospital. She went to the emergency room so many times, she started going to different hospitals because they were asking her too many questions. Eventually things got so bad that Fawn knew she couldn't stay with Heather. And several times she tried to run away. Fawn would literally have to escape from the trailer. She'd have to sneak out when Heather wasn't looking and run over to Mike's trailer where Stephanie was because 
Stephanie really was there for her and was concerned about her. She knew how Heather was. When she would manage to sneak away, she would ask to call a friend to come pick her up or she would ask for a ride over to her mom's house in Altoona. Now Fawn and her mother Dorothy had a very strained relationship at times. They were a lot alike and they truly did care for each other, but that didn't mean they didn't have their fair share of arguments and dysfunction. Every time Dorothy would express concern for Fawn and her relationships, Fawn would want to change the subject. She definitely didn't like talking about that stuff with Dorothy. And Dorothy loves her children. She really cares for Fawn. And she had that mother's intuition that Fawn was in trouble, that something really bad could happen. But she didn't really know how to do anything about it because Dorothy does have some cognitive deficiencies that make it difficult for her to see the entire picture. Even though she knew that Fawn was probably in trouble, she didn't know how to go about helping her. And I don't want to get too much into that because that's Dorothy's private information, but I think it's important that you guys understand that she does have some cognitive deficiencies. Now, just like Fawn, Dorothy didn't work much and she also didn't drive. Fawn didn't drive either. So they were both completely dependent on other people to take care of them for the most part. So one time when Fawn escaped the trailer and went back home to her mom, Dorothy was hoping that she would stay for good this time. But Heather wasn't the type to just let Fawn leave. She had to go track her down. She would figure out where she was at, whether it was her friend's house or her mom's house, track her down and bring her home. So one day in February of 2011, things were really bad and Fawn was desperate to get away from Heather. So Heather brought her to work with her and left her in her car with the door locked and the alarm on. But Fawn decided that she was just gonna take the chance and open that car door, even if the alarm went off and run as fast as she could. So she did, she opened the car, alarm went off, she takes off running and she finds a phone, calls her friend Jackie to pick her up. And Jackie was gonna bring her to her mom's house, um, but first she was gonna drop her off at the trailer so she could get a few things and then they would continue on to her mom's house. The reason that she wanted to go back to Heather's trailer is because her daughter's ashes were there and she wanted to get them because in the past when she had run away, Heather had threatened to dump them out. That is the most evil shit. So she knew she had to go back she had to get the ashes, but when she got there, she realized she didn't have the keys to the trailer. So she decided it was worth it to break in and get the urn. But Heather found out about it and reported it to the police. And you're not gonna believe this, but Fawn was charged with breaking and entering into her own property. And she was also charged with felony burglary and trespassing. She was ordered to pay $2,700 in fees, which was gonna be a lot for her and she had to be on probation. So then after all of that happened, Dorothy, her mom, gets a restraining order in the mail, not from Heather, from Fawn. Heather had found a way to cut off Fawn's only lifeline, only other supporter. And I don't know how that bullshit happened. I mean, maybe it's just different state to state with how easy it is to get a restraining order because it's not like there was evidence of why she needed to be restrained from Dorothy and I'm sure Fawn wasn't pushing that hard. It was clearly Heather. Heather had figured out how to cut out her only lifeline. And now Heather was really locking Fawn down. She wasn't even allowed to leave the trailer without her permission. She wasn't allowed to have anyone there do anything without Heather's permission. And she still didn't even have a cell phone. Stephanie, her neighbor, tried everything that she could to help Fawn. She knew she was in a horrible situation. Luckily, their trailers were close enough together that they could open the window and talk to each other that way. So she was a huge 
supporter in her life. And after not being able to talk to her mom, she was really all she had left. But she wasn't even allowed to be talking to Stephanie. She had to do this secretly behind Heather's back. That's how strict Heather was on her. And during these secret conversations, Fawn said several times to Stephanie how badly she wanted to get away from Heather, but she didn't know how. She didn't have anything and she felt so controlled. She was really stuck in that cycle of abuse where she felt like she couldn't break free. At this point, it had been a while had gone by. It had been so long since she had talked to really any of her friends or family. Now she hadn't talked to her mom in a long time and Dorothy didn't fully understand what was going on, you know? Why was she getting this restraining order? And she no longer had contact with Bridget, her cousin, or any other family members. She was really isolated. And that's exactly what Heather wanted. And it turns out that the reason Stephanie was so concerned for Fawn was not only because she knew how horrible Heather could be, but her brother Mike, who Stephanie was with, was also very abusive to her. It seemed to just run in the family. And even Heather's parents were helping her keep watch on Fawn. One day, her mother, Heather's mother, drove past their trailer and saw Fawn talking to Stephanie through the windows and told Heather. So she boarded up the fucking windows. But even with the windows boarded, several neighbors could hear their fights outside of the windows. There were very chaotic, violent, loud fights happening in the trailer all the time. Some people called the police and the police were sent there more times than they can even count. And one time, several witnesses, including Stephanie, saw Heather choke Fawn so hard and for so long that she became unconscious. One time, Fawn got up the courage to try to run away again, but Heather followed her and almost ran over her in her truck. After that, Fawn ran away from her and escaped into a neighbor's house, but Heather followed her in and literally dragged her out and back to the trailer. And this went on for a while. And in October, 2012, Fawn got so desperate that she decided she was gonna make the move to try to get back to her mom's house, even though this restraining order was in place. But when she got there, Heather found out and she contacted police who arrested Fawn's mother, Dorothy, because the restraining order was violated. And poor Dorothy had to spend two days in jail because of that. But despite the restraining order and spending time in jail, Dorothy was even more worried about her daughter now than ever. So she continued to call the police and try to get welfare checks on her as often as she could because she'd never heard from her. My gut instinct said, there's something wrong. Call City Hall. Turned around, wound up, and they made the statement, Miss Mountain, we already checked. Your daughter's fine. They made contact with her and it has been documented in their reports that they did physically see her at her less known address at that point. The last documented welfare check on Fawn Mountain was in November of 2012. Later that month, when Thanksgiving rolled around, Fawn spent Thanksgiving with Heather's family, of course. Over the holiday weekend, Heather's parents had to clean up their butcher's shop and get it ready for hunting season, which started the following Monday. And over the weekend, that Sunday, Fawn, Heather, and Mike as well, her brother, all went over to the house to help clean the butcher shop. They washed down the shop with bleach, sterilized everything, which is an important part of owning a butcher shop, obviously. When they were finished, Mike Sr. passed out beers to everyone as kind of a payment for helping out. And Heather didn't like for Fawn to drink, so she was very upset 
that they had given her a beer as well. But she didn't want to like freak out in front of her family, so Fawn was able to drink and she was having a good time. In fact, she was almost off probation. She had paid off a lot of her fines, so she was feeling really good and enjoying her night. After everyone finished up their beers, they said goodnight to Heather and Mike's parents and then they all went back to their trailers. When they first pulled up to the trailers, Heather got out of the car and helped Mike unload something from his car and put it in his house and Stephanie and Fawn waited in the car. They were just casually chatting and Fawn mentioned to Stephanie that she was planning on having a relaxing night watching some scary movies and heading to bed at some point. When Heather and Mike came back from the car, Mike and Stephanie went into their trailer and Heather and Fawn went into theirs. But sadly this would be the last time that Stephanie would see Fawn. So that Monday, November 26th, Lois and Mike Sr., their parents, came to pick up Mike and Stephanie to bring them back to the butcher shop to help out some more. And when they got there, Heather was outside smoking a cigarette. While they were waiting for Mike and Stephanie to come out of their trailer, they talked with Heather for a little bit. And when Stephanie and Mike came out, they thought this was odd. They weren't used to seeing Heather without fun. I mean, she literally brought Fawn everywhere with her. She thought it was weird that she had just left her in the trailer. So Stephanie walked up to Heather and asked her where Fawn was. And that's when Heather told her that she had gotten up to go to the bathroom at 3.30 in the morning and Fawn wasn't there. She said she looked all over for her, couldn't find her, and she was gone. But she didn't seem to be freaking out in any way. I didn't even know Fawn was missing or anything. I just thought it was odd that she wasn't out there too because usually Heather didn't leave her out of her sight. And I said, you know, where's Fawn at? And she said, well, I got up at like three o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom, she's gone. And then Mike leaned over to Stephanie and whispered as a joke, I bet Heather killed her. Stephanie knew that he was just joking around, but as soon as he said it, she felt a pain in her heart. She just felt like something was wrong. She knew that Fawn would come to her if she was trying to escape Heather, that she probably would have let her know if she was gonna run away. But she hadn't heard from her at all. She had no idea who she would have contacted for help. And Heather's behavior from the beginning was just bizarre because every other time that Fawn had run away, Heather would track her down. She would go around the town, go to all of her friends' house, ask people if they had seen her. She would not let Fawn out of her sight. And this was the first time in six years that she suddenly didn't seem to really care that Fawn had run away. She didn't try to track her down. She didn't even call her mom to see if maybe she was over there. Nothing, which Stephanie knew was very suspicious from the beginning. For six years, anytime that girl would leave her, I mean, she would be losing her mind, going house to house, seeing if anybody seen her or took her anywhere. Or Who leaves at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of winter and doesn't take anything? Soon, Stephanie got even more worried because she realized that Fawn didn't take anything with her, literally nothing, not even her daughter's ashes. She would have taken Caden's ashes if it was the only thing that she brought. It was the most important thing to her and she was so worried that Heather would dump them out if she left them there. So there's just no way that she would have voluntarily left without them. Also, this is the middle of the night in the winter in Pennsylvania. She didn't bring any jackets. She didn't have a phone. She has no money. Where would she have gone? Who leaves at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of winter and doesn't take anything? So Stephanie called Dorothy and told her that Fawn was missing and asked if she was over there. Dorothy, of course, 
said no. And as soon as she heard her daughter was missing, she contacted the police. My gut instinct said there's something wrong. But she was told that Fawn couldn't be listed as a missing person because she was an adult. And then about a week after Fawn goes missing, Heather's father comes over to her trailer and redoes like the whole thing. I mean, they like completely remodeled it. They tore up the carpet, the floorboards, they put in new flooring. And this was all in the middle of winter when they had never talked about doing this beforehand. It was just all of a sudden they decided to remodel the trailer. And even though it was the middle of winter, they also decided to build a dog run in their backyard and they poured a concrete slab for it. Now, I don't know if that's normal to do. I've never really seen a dog run with concrete in it. I guess some people would do it. I have a dog run in my backyard, but it's on grass so that they can go to the bathroom. I don't know, maybe that is something that people do, but I thought that was kind of odd. Anyway, they never finished the dog run, but they did pour the concrete slab, which is weird. They took out the carpet, the floorboards, like the plywood, like that's in a trailer. They took it out, ripped it all out, put put all new like flooring in and everything. And then a week after that, Heather packs up all her shit and moves to Ohio. And she really didn't have a hard time getting over Fawn or spend much time worrying about her because two months later, she met a new girlfriend in Ohio and brought her back to Pennsylvania. And then get this, about six months after Fawn went missing, their family decided to close up their butcher shop. Yeah, and they sold pretty much all of the equipment, very sus. And when people would ask Heather about Fawn, she would give everyone different stories. At one point, she claimed that Fawn was in prison in Ohio, and that when the police had called her to ask to release her back home, Heather refused. Another time she was telling this story to someone and she said that the prison was in Arizona, not Ohio. Obviously she was telling some people that she just left in the middle of the night. It seemed like she would just tell people different stories based on who they were. And she never alerted most of Fawn's family that she was missing. Obviously her mother, Dorothy, knew she was missing, but like I said, she had some cognitive deficiencies and had trouble contacting people um, or making a lot of progress in all of this. And the police seemed to really take advantage of that. I'll discuss that more later, but not a lot of Fawn's family knew she was even missing, including her cousin, Bridget. In April of 2015, Fawn's uncle called trying to look for her and it was because her stepfather was in the hospital and didn't have much time left and he wanted to say goodbye to her. But Heather didn't even mention to them that Fawn had left. Fawn's uh, stepdad was in the hospital dying. They were trying to get a hold of Heather. She acted like Fawn went missing and came back and was staying there and it, yeah, was telling her uncle and them that she was there. Finally, a family friend decided to go to the trailer and actually look for her themselves. But when they got there, Heather confessed that she had left years ago. So her mom, Dorothy, ended up contacting the Social Security Administration and letting them know that Fawn probably wasn't getting any of her welfare checks. So they sent a notice to the trailer saying that Fawn had to do a face-to-face -face meeting with them in order to continue receiving these checks. And it wasn't until then, and I know this is hard to believe, but it wasn't until then that police decided to file a missing persons report. This is three years after she first went missing, that a report is finally 
filed. And remember, her mom thought that she had reported it, and they really took advantage of her in the fact that she has these cognitive deficits. But finally, the Greenfield Township Police Department decided to step in and handle the case. They interviewed everyone that knew Fawn and took official signed statements. But after that, they didn't do much else. Dorothy tried her best to keep on them, keep up with what was going on, but it wasn't long before the police seemed to notice that she didn't really have the ability to push back at them or understand fully what they were talking about at times. And so they took advantage of that and brushed Fawn's case off. Every time she would talk to them, they would just talk in circles, confuse her more, and the case never went anywhere. So it wasn't until June of 2017 when her cousin Bridget, finally found out that Fawn was missing and she was shocked. She had absolutely no idea that this had happened. She found out because another family member had given Dorothy a ride to the store and she casually mentioned that she hadn't seen Fawn in years. So she obviously freaked out and she contacted Bridget. Over the years, Fawn and Bridget had really drifted apart, not because of anything bad. Life just took them in different directions and Bridget had a baby and was very, caught up in raising her children. Fawn, you know, went into the party scene a little bit more and they were just in totally different places in their life. So they sort of lost contact and she had no idea she was missing for five years. Remember, Bridget had moved away. So there wasn't a lot of connection between their families after that. For her, that has been one of the most frustrating things because so much time was lost when Fawn really did need an advocate. And so Bridget's really stepped up and has tried her best to get as much attention on this case as possible and hopefully start to get things moving after all of this time. At the time, her and Dorothy were still connected on Facebook, but they didn't really talk. She hadn't spoken to her in years, but when she heard that Fawn was missing, of course she DM'd her and asked her what happened. Dorothy filled her in all about Heather and about Stephanie and how she had been an ally to her. So Bridget decided to contact Stephanie. Stephanie was super happy to hear from Bridget. She had been worried about Fawn throughout all of these years. So she immediately replied to Bridget and gave her her number and said, call me as soon as you can. When I talked to Bridget on the phone, she told me about that call and how Stephanie is just still heartbroken over what happened and worries so much about Fawn to this day and what could have happened to her. She wants to see justice for her and she just knew something bad happened in that trailer. So she started telling Bridget everything that she knew. The two of them talked for hours and Stephanie told Bridget everything that she knew, but of course it had been five years, a little bit of it was foggy, but it didn't take long for Bridget to realize just how bad things had been for Fawn in her last few years. So Stephanie started to help her get names of people who might know information and Bridget started just contacting people and trying to put together her own investigation. Every person told her that they already gave reports and everything that they knew to the police, but all that information was somehow gone. That's right, records just magically gone somehow. Bridget also realized that the initial investigation into Fawn's disappearance was pretty terrible. There were so many possible leads, so many loose ends, things that didn't make sense that they just did not bother to follow up on. Greenfield Township dropped the ball, big time. This this could have been investigated way further and more in depth. So Bridget decided to contact the police herself and talk to somebody. And that's when they told her that the officer who was on the case had left 
years ago, and no one was ever reassigned to Fawn Mountain's case. And not only that, they found out later that this police officer had actually been fired along with the police chief. So that shows you what kind of department they're dealing with here. They told her that they would get back to her when they figured out what was going on and how they were gonna move forward the case. And she waited, but no one ever did. She called again and demanded answers and really started pushing back at them. And that's when they finally just said, you know, no one's on our case and we're not gonna put anyone on our case. Also all of the original files, even signed witness statements were just gone. No one knew where they were. It was such a shit show of an investigation. It's just sad hearing about things like this. Got in touch with the Greenfield Township Police to find out what, what has been done thus far. And by that point, nothing. So obviously since Heather had mentioned something about Fawn going to jail, Bridget decided it'd be good to contact different jails and see if she had ever been there. They checked all the systems and databases and there was no record of Fawn staying in any of the prisons that Heather had mentioned. I did a lot of my own like work and, and phone calls and, and meeting with people and finding out what they knew. I know Greenfield Township did database searches throughout all these states, because then there was at one point Arizona. She was supposed to be in Arizona, according to Heather. All of these states, they checked the databases and nothing. So in August of 2017, something good finally happened. The state police ended up getting involved and Bridget said they have been so much better to work with and they care much more about figuring this out. The trooper who's leading the case right now is named Trooper Martini. She has been a big contact for Bridget to work with along the way. And she's done a much better job of keeping Bridget and Dorothy as well updated on what's going on. So although Stephanie and Bridget strongly feel that Heather was involved in Fawn's disappearance, the police had no solid evidence of that, so they didn't have a clear person of interest, but they did say immediately that they suspected foul play. We're going as far as even stepping out and saying, we suspect that foul play is involved with this. Since Fawn's disappearance, like I said, Heather moved on. She had a new girlfriend who had kids and they were all staying with her, but eventually, that woman also got tired of the abuse and ended up leaving and filing a restraining order against Heather. So the pattern continues. And this time, Heather was actually arrested and charged with felony strangulation. But she ended up pleading guilty to lesser charges, so she was only given 24 months of probation for that. This woman actually ended up marrying Heather. So she left the state when all of this happened without even getting a divorce. And as far as anyone knows, her and her kids are still in therapy trying to cope from all the trauma they experienced while living with Heather. Then in fall of 2017, Heather is evicted from their trailer. And according to a witness, Heather completely stripped the trailer before leaving. She pulled out wires, light fixtures, anything she could. But whoever this witness was that saw her doing this wants to remain anonymous because they are also afraid of Heather. Once Heather was gone, the police were able to search the property. They brought in cadaver dogs and they excavated the concrete slab that was in the backyard, thinking they might find remains. But unfortunately, nothing was found. Bridget was very hopeful that maybe Fawn would be there and they could finally put an end to all this, but that was a big disappointment for them. And then after all this, the trailer ended up being torched. And there were a lot of rumors that Heather did it for obvious reasons, but it was actually the choice of the trailer owner because it was left in such bad condition. So I guess this is a common practice to just burn ones that are beyond fixing. So eventually Bridget decided to 
try and contact media stations and get some awareness on Bond's case. She and other family members did several interviews and there were a few news stories, but it wasn't enough. And unfortunately, cases like this often attract some of the worst people out there that just want to take advantage of victims. And Dorothy was a good person for some people to take advantage of. You know, she was a mother who also was easily manipulated just by nature, but was also desperate to find her daughter. So this YouTuber, Nebula's Diary, claimed that she contacted Fawn Spirit using a ghost radio and other paranormal tools. And I see this all the time. It is so wrong, especially without permission from the family, people that are making it as content for others to view. I mean, it's just, there's a line and that's crossing it. Her mother got hopeful and thought that she was really making contact with Fawn. And she told her a terrible story of what she said Fawn was telling her happened through these devices. She told her that Heather murdered her, used her butcher skills to chop her up, put some of her remains in concrete and then put the rest in meat and sold it. Not only that, this YouTuber told Dorothy that she knew that the police knew exactly what happened to Fawn and that they were just keeping it secret from her. And poor Dorothy believed her. Dorothy ended up calling Bridget nearly hysterical, thinking that this really could have happened. So Bridget told me that she started freaking out too, like, at first her rational side told her, you know, it's probably not, but then she started trying to contact Trooper Martini and see if there was anything like this going on. And Trooper Martini was actually out of town and wasn't answering the phone. So Bridget herself started to get worried that maybe this was true. But when she came home, she assured Bridget that she would be the first one to know, their family would be the first to know if they knew anything close to what happened to Fawn. And they truly didn't. Many psychics contacted Dorothy and they were all telling her different things. So it got so bad to the point where Bridget had to step in and block a lot of them from being able to contact Dorothy and monitor who was talking to her because it was affecting Dorothy so much. I mean, it's just terrible that there's people like that who will take advantage of a family. And they have asked this YouTuber, Nebula's Diary, to take down the videos about Fawn, but she refuses. So, it just pisses me off so much. So in June of 2018, Bridget felt like they really needed to build a support group. So she started a Facebook page. It's called Bring Fawn Marie Home. And over the years, she's been trying to raise awareness about Fawn's case. And Bridget and her other friends have also posted thousands of missing persons flyers. They've even designed t-shirts and sold them to help raise money for things like billboards. And this year in February of 2021, the Facebook page grew from only a couple hundred followers to over 7,000. And Bridget has no idea how that happened, but they're super thankful to have the support that they do. So I'm gonna ask you guys right now to head on over there if you have a Facebook account and just join the page, send some words of support. It means a lot, trust me. Also this May, Bridget held a candlelight vigil and nearly a hundred people came to it and it was covered by the local news. Gather everybody that wants answers and wants justice and wants to know what happened to Fawn all in one place and, and pray for that. She's an army behind her now, and yes. we're not gonna stop till we get some answers. Yeah. Wow. 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 
So in cases like this, where there are not a lot of leads and they're desperate for awareness, one of the best ways to get awareness, especially in that community, are billboards. And billboards can be really expensive. They were able to raise some funds through the Facebook page to get some billboards. And right now the billboards are up, but Bridget was explaining to me that they're not currently paying for them, but the company has been nice enough to keep them up as long as another customer doesn't come along and want to buy the space. So that's what she's worried about right now is she doesn't have the funds to continue keeping the billboards up. So it would be awesome if you guys want to donate even a dollar, five dollars, whatever you can and help her keep these billboards up because it could be crucial to the case. And you can really make a difference because it only costs about $500 per month to keep these billboards up. So every dollar counts. Bridget has also been using a lot of her own money to keep the billboards going, but she can't continue to afford that. She did tell me that she feels hopeful. She really likes Trooper Martini and the state police have been so much better to work with. And she told me she's hopeful that we might see some movement soon. And she actually says that a lot of this could be due to the billboards. So they help a lot. Bridget and Stephanie have become really close friends with this and they've also become close with Dorothy as well as Fawn's brother. And they are all working hard to fight until they get justice for Fawn. Stephanie is no longer with Heather's brother. They had a very tumultuous relationship as well. She and Bridget, I just point blank asked her if they thought Mike was involved and they don't. They honestly don't think that he knew what happened or has any information or helped in any way. But of course it is possible that he knows something. It's possible he has information that he hasn't shared with the police. Who really knows? So now it's up to the state police to conduct those interviews, try to get more information and put the pieces together. A lot of people are frustrated with the state police. They think they have not made enough progress so far, but Bridget just drilled home to me that she really does think that they are helping and that they will continue to do so and that we could see a resolution for this one day. And I really hope so. The Pennsylvania Crime Stoppers is offering a $10,000 reward for any information that leads to finding Fawn. Fawn has auburn hair that may be dyed black or dark brown. She has blue eyes, pierced ears, and lip. She also has an R.I.P. Caden tattoo with angel wings on her back and a Brayden tattoo on her neck. Sometimes she will answer to the nickname Bambi. So of course, if you know any information, you can contact the Pennsylvania State Police at 814-696-6100. And please follow the Facebook page. That's where they put most of the information out. I talked with Bridget about also creating a Twitter account because I think that can be helpful too. So I'll have that linked below if we go ahead and do that. Also, we have just created a petition. So if you would like to sign that, it only takes a couple of seconds and it can really help out this family. So be an active true crime viewer, guys. Give back to the victims um, of the content that you're watching. If you don't have the money to donate, to just sign or follow, just show a little bit of support because these are real people going through these horrific things and the more support that they can get, the better off they will be and there will be a higher chance of possibly resolving these cases. That's all I have on this case. This one is so frustrating, so incredibly sad how people can get away with things like this that the police weren't following up, you know, it's just let go so easily and that so many years went by that Bridget just didn't even know. I mean, that just breaks my heart. Bridget's such a nice person. She literally 
rescues kittens for a living. She's so nice. And if she had known any earlier, she would have done everything she could. But thankfully she did end up finding out and was able to get involved. And it's, you know, mostly thanks to her that Fauna has gotten the coverage that she has, which hasn't been that much. Hopefully there will be more. That is going to be it for me today, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode. And make sure you follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really does help me out. If you want to watch the video version of this show, you can find it on my YouTube channel, which will be linked, or you can just search Kendall Ray. I will be back with another episode soon, but until then, stay safe out there.